Welcome to The Leverage Point. A podcast about your development and performance at work. Improvement doesn't have to be hard. Or boring. This podcast is a pragmatist guide to growth, achievement and success. Discover your Leverage Point. I'm Angela Lane. And I'm Sergei Gorbatov. We're researchers and practitioners in the fields of talent, human performance and behavior. And together with you, we'll translate science into Leverage Points. Today, we are so happy to welcome Judy Garfinkel to the Leverage Point podcast. Judy is a career transition coach. Uh, and fun fact about her, she is a former ballet dancer. A, a while ago, maybe not so, so far ago, she was able to do 24 footers in one go, which I find remarkable. She is also a former educated and uh, educator. And then uh, when she moved into self-development, she found that there was no one to help her, no one to think through the difficult career conversations. So she wanted to be that someone for other people and to help them think through their career choices and do something meaningful with their lives and careers. Currently, she is president of of International Coaching Federation in Connecticut, fully certified coach specializing in career transitions. Judy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Angela and Sergey. And Judy, we are so delighted to have you here. And because we want to take every advantage of having you here, one of the things I'd like to do is jump straight in. And I want to jump in really on a question that is around the starting point for somebody wanting to be very intentional about career success. And you've spent now so many years helping people achieve success. In our view, we often say that the process starts with being a little bit introspective, understanding what it means to be successful, what would a fulfilling career look like for me. So having, if you like, a personal definition of success. When you think about your role advising people, how important is it for them to understand what success looks like? Uh, yeah, it's incredibly important. And uh, the word that I use a lot, the phrase I use a lot with people is career satisfaction. It can be an interchangeable phrase with career success. And it seems to be, it, land very, it lands more meaningfully with people when I use the word career satisfaction. And I, I love that you mentioned it because I think it's foundational. It is the very, very first step in the process of uncovering who you want to be, what you want to have, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish in your career long term is really important to visualize and vision at the very beginning of, of this. And I'm glad you brought it up because it takes a bit of a deep dive. You know, people need to put some energy and time and focus and a little bit of what Brene Brown would call ordinary courage into doing this this exploration. And it doesn't have to be onerous. It can be fun and exciting and validating, often surprising and a little bit challenging, but ultimately inspiring and motivating work. I think that people tend to skip over this often. They skip over it because for, I don't know, for a variety of reasons, maybe they only understand that this work involves one thing like skills uh, investigation. That's a common one. People come and they want to talk about their skills and maybe don't, which is great, but maybe don't recognize that there's much more to it than that. Or maybe it's just easy. They think it's easier or quicker or they, or they think they'll be very good at it. I had a client just yesterday, I was talking to someone who was interested in working with me and he said he'd never thought about his career in this way and he wasn't sure he'd be good at the introspective part, which I thought was so very honest. Great that you, in working with your clients, define 
career success from the perspective of satisfaction, right? It's how you want your career to be. You are making the choice. It's career on your terms. And we believe that to be able to make those choices, it's important to be aligned to purpose. Yeah, selecting a path that is in concordance with your values and aspirations, individual characteristics, and this your personal view of success. Of course, we hear a lot being said and a lot being written about the sense of purpose. In your experience as a coach, do most people have a strong sense of purpose? And is it okay not to have one? This is a great question. I think a lot of people do have a sense of purpose. They may not be able to articulate it. They may not yet understand what it is. And often that that translates to people as I don't have one. But I think that most people actually do. And it's really important to do that exploration. All the research that's out there into well-being and life satisfaction and career satisfaction is a is is that purpose plays a really big role, a key role in that. Purpose is a funny word. It's kind of like, I believe one of your your, or your former guests, Mark, was talking about the word authenticity. And this purpose can often be in the camp of that word where it can mean a lot of things and mean nothing. I think that I have nothing against self-help books. I, I've learned a lot from many of them. But I do think that sometimes the nuances are left out or there's this sense of being something magical, some magical key that you're missing and you're not in the secret club if you don't have it. And that can be very pressureful for people. I also think when you talk about purpose, it can also feel a little bit limiting only in this one sense, which is there's one true calling, only one, and you only have it. It's like, it's like when you talk about romance and there's one soulmate for you in your entire life in the whole world. <laughs> and we know that this just isn't true. People can have really fulfilling careers and meaningful careers in several different ways aligned with a broad purpose that helps them guide them through that path. And I also think that sometimes I help people articulate purpose by not even using the word purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's great because the self-help literature, maybe inadvertently, creates a lot of pressure and anxiety in people. You open your computer or you read newspapers if you're old school and any of those would be talking, oh, you need to discover your sense of purpose or you need to find your calling if you want to be successful. And if you are 20 years old, 25 years old, 40 years old, well, who knows what purpose it is? So maybe you're right in this conversations. What do you think, Judy? Maybe what people think is this, oh my God, I need to find the purpose, capital P, while finding a small p purpose is enough. <laughs> exactly. exactly. To make the right decision. Exactly. And I think you mentioned, when you mentioned 20-year-olds, I think a lot of purpose work can only be done in retrospect. It's looking for patterns. It's looking for through lines. And if you're 25, your through line's really short <laughs> and you haven't had enough experience to feel your way, to use your inner guidance system to have a sense of what that purpose might be. Some people can have a sense really early on. And it's interesting to hear later on how that shifted or changed with experience. But those who don't, those who don't yeah. uh, haven't found their purpose yet, what's your advice to them? How do you advise them make the right career choices in the absence of the realization of their own purpose? Well, it's, we're back to introspection in just a slightly different way. 
right? There are still patterns to look for. If you're not clear about purpose, you can be clear about other things. You can look at areas like what do you value in your work environment, which situations allow you to maximize and leverage your strengths how and help you learn to improve your weaknesses, maybe how much autonomy you require. And that's maybe through experience or through guessing. <laughs> What type of company culture appeals to you or will help support you to grow in the ways that you want and care about developing? These are all things that a person can do while they're figuring out purpose or or on their, you know, or if they don't have one yet or know what it is yet. I would call these must-haves, deal-breakers, and would-be-nices. You know, that's one way you can talk about this, uh, looking at it for yourself. Once these are, are identified, the, the decision-making becomes much easier in the moment and also in the longer term and, and in and many interesting ways that people might not imagine that these would help with decision making. For example, I had a client recently who was shifting, pivoting from academia into the world of business and OD, uh, organizational design. And she had some really, a couple of good offers. And by going back and looking at this work she had done ahead of time, one offer was weighted much stronger. But then interestingly, she got stuck in negotiation where she had negotiated for the salary that she wanted and they came up, but not quite enough. And she was looking for how else can I negotiate and feel valued? I want to feel valued in this. Um, I won't be able to take this job unless there's something more that has meaning for me here. And she really wanted the job. And so she went back and she looked at how much opportunities for internal and external development were to her. And that's what she negotiated for and got. And that allowed her to sign right in. Fantastic example. And when you talk about understanding what you value, what you're good at, what environments you enjoy, we tend to think about that in our language. Sergey and I would talk about having things aligned and that alignment mm -hmm. to self. You know, maybe it's a alignment of these are the things that I'm good at or this is the context in which I excel or this is the people that I work best with or this is how much I'm willing to put into a career. As an executive coach, I'm sure that sometimes you come across people who have done that sort of exercise but are perhaps not great assessors of their own abilities or their own potential or their own ambition. How do you help people that are perhaps misguided as to their own strengths or attributes? Hmm. That's a great question. I think there's two parts to that. Well, first of all, people can be misguided in you know, overestimating and underestimating. <laughs> so there's ways to, I would just say reality check as much as possible. And reality checks can be around asking people that you work with or some kind of professional assessment, whether it's through the company that you're working with or outside of some kind of objective assessment. It might be that you are looking to your colleagues for some kind of uh, for feedback or performance reviews. And they're looking for patterns in that and then having someone to bounce that off of or someone's to bounce that off of so that you're always asking yourself, how do I know where's the evidence and then evaluating that evidence. And, and I would add that the famous Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, if your listeners are familiar, he wrote a book called No Matter Where You Go, There You Are. And I bring this up because in the context of a coaching relationship, often those things show up in real time. Not everything can. Not every skill can show up in real time, but it can in a coaching relationship. And that's a great coaching space because that's a moment for the coach to ask for the opportunity to give feedback, 
to give an observation right in the moment. And that can be extremely powerful. I've had it happen with clients where one client recently was telling me he's making a transition from a cell phone business to moving into an organization. And he told me that his value to a company was in his ability to create really great rapport and relationships. And I wasn't seeing all of the skills in that in our work together. And so I was able to point that out to him. And that was a really big turning point for the way he saw himself and his value. And then the question is, what do you want to do about it? And I think that your suggestions for how we can have that bit of introspection to help us find those things that we should align to. I love the idea that you talk about look for patterns. You know, what work have I always enjoyed? Where, what environments have I always struggled in? That idea about looking for patterns, looking for evidence. I think is fantastic. And I love the idea that people kind of take an analytical approach to trying to figure out what is it that's going to help me excel. That leads me though to a question because, you know, Sergey and I are primarily practitioners. And what we get to see so often is where people have got themselves into positions where they can't excel. They're not aligned. They're in a role that doesn't match their strengths or they're in an environment that doesn't really bring out their best. If you get yourself in a, I'm just going to call it a bad place, what should you do? What would you, what would your guidance be? Yes, a very rich coaching space as well. So many wonderful opportunities in that. Well, we know that people from the research that we all need a sense of agency. And so that is really important to build in immediately because often when people are in a bad place, they go to, I don't know, I I don't have anything I can do about it. And also a lot of self-trust and confidence gets a hit there around their ability to make good decisions. So first, you know, that would be really important thing to recognize that that some self brings some self-compassion, some resilience strategies in there, as well as, of course, doing looking at, okay, why isn't it aligned? What's happening? Is it the people I work with? Is it the role itself? Is it the culture of the institution? Is it that I thought I had more of these skills than I have, or I thought I would like leveraging them and they don't really? What are those things and what do we want to do about it? Sometimes in that conversation, it becomes apparent that really what all that needs to be done to make it align is a little bit more tweaking of the actual role. Sometimes it's possible to go to a supervisor or a boss and talk about having more of what's aligned and less of what's not aligned. And so that can be a really interesting thing that happens. And if it's not aligned, then it really looks like it's not a bad space. Getting into action without being impulsive is is some advice. I often tell people it's kind of like your GPS, right, in your car. You're off track, so you need to recalculate. And it's a good thing because it shows the fact that you're unhappy shows you that your GPS is actually working really well because you know you're not in the right place. So that's a great place to start. It's a positive reframing of the situation. And then take actions, talk to people, work your network. Do all the things that you need to do to be able to see if there's another role that will fit you better. And of course, go look and figure out what that might be. I love your analogy with the GPS. You have the destination in there and then you might deviate from their ideal course because best career visionaries, most successful people would have a plan on how to achieve to the destination, being aligned to their sense of purpose, themselves, their strengths, their individual characteristics. And now and then things 
don't go according to plan. So that's when your GPS starts beeping and uh, <laughs> shouting at you. And it's like recalculating. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that creates some tension. Uh, it creates anxiety. It might uh, it, yeah. it gets you into an uncomfortable situation. Apart from things that you mentioned, talking to people, rethinking your job, what else do you advise people in these situations? Well, it also depends what the cause of the misalignment is. Um, it, if it's a, around coworkers and around managing how to deal with what might be a situation that's difficult, then it's a lot of problem solving about how do we keep yourself whole? How do you communicate what would be politically appropriate in this situation? I also think there's a lot of resilience work and a lot of building oneself up in a situation when you're in a, a bad place. Aside from the actually the pointing what to do about it, the actual career, there's a lot of remembering your whole self. There's a lot of remembering the things that bring you happiness and satisfaction that are outside of work and making sure you're building that into your day while you're in this other process of figuring out how to realign and get into a new situation. Because those are the moments when we start to shut ourselves down when we're unhappy. We feel less and less energized by our work and meaning. So we have to go find where those other places of meaning are. And it's always a good thing to do, but particularly in that time when you're under that kind of stress. So let me build on this conversation. We've talked about the idea of introspection and knowing kind of where we're starting from, but also this idea of having this bigger sense of what ultimate satisfaction might look like. We might think of that as our destination. Clearly, the thing that gets you from here to there is some sort of plan. You probably see, I'm sure, many career plans. I think you probably help craft many career plans. What makes a good career plan in your view? And what are some tips that you might give someone looking to develop a plan that would make their plan the strongest that it could be? I think I'm quoting you, Angela, when I say that there's the moment where we have to shift from wishful thinking to wish fulfillment. I believe that was you. <laughs> um, I've taken thank that. You. I love it. I'm going to keep using it. So thank you. My um, pleasure. And this is really... Right. It's really important time. And it's kind of a pivotal moment in career work. And if you look at learning theory, it's which is kind of my background, right? Education. There's a moment where we have taken what we have, the information we've gathered from the internal and external experts. And then we imagine ourselves and create a model or a plan. And it starts to get us almost embodying what that could look like as we're thinking about it. So it becomes an almost asking us to, to imagine the experience. That's a really important place to get there where the rubber meets the road, but also to get it kicking. Because then what happens after that is you move into action. And that's where it really starts to roll. The strongest plans, it might be self-evident, are the ones that are focused but not rigid. And that's a plan. Plans have to feel alive. They have to feel aligned, but also alive and part of the, as a living, evolving thing. <laughs> and I think often people get that way, kind of they think about their schedule like that, right? That it's like something outside of yourself. You're doing it for your own behalf, but then it becomes disconnected from you and your life. And then it becomes harder to adjust and roll with it while staying focused. So I would just say that's a really big, important thing to keep big picture. And obviously there's, you know, the basics that may not be basic to some people. It's always to have an ultimate long-term goal to focus on and focusing on it, kind of what you want to be doing, who you want to be impacting. And often a way to think about it is after you retire at the pinnacle of your career, 
what is it you want to have been have done? What will your bio say? What were, were the roles that you might have, have, have done? What kind of learning did you do? And then, of course, build in the, the midterm and the short-term goals of what you want to learn, what experiences you think might want to, will help you grow into the next one, and what kinds of experiences. How do those look? Are they jobs? Are they professional development outside of jobs? Are they, you know, are you upskilling at a certain point? Those are all things that need to be as much as possible in a plan because we can't put everything in, in a plan because we have to live the steps of the plan to, to kind of feel what the next iteration of it is. You're not making it up along the way, but you are evolving along with it or it's evolving along with you, I should say. I would also add that just throughout, I think the most important thing for people once the plan is as part of throughout, a part of making the plan is developing relationships everywhere. Key, meeting people, talking to them across functions and departments, building positive relationships throughout your company and outside of your company in your industry or, or in tangent industries. Hearing, you'll hear about what's available. You'll hear about people's stories. I love people's stories and I advise all my clients to find out as many stories as possible about how people got where they were are because it always is in people's minds that it's just like a straight line. I'm going to start here and then I'm going to end there and I just need this, 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 and this, and it'll just look like this in the end. And that's part of the thinking. But when you listen to people who've been in their careers for a while, you hear something very different. You hear something alive. You hear about opportunities missed. You hear about moments of risk. You hear about places where people were feeling less confident and surprises and opportunities and, and luck. And you hear about all of that. And I think it helps bring it down a little bit to feeling like it's, oh, yeah, it's life. It's my life. But it's also not. I, uh, I I love that. And there was so much rich, richness in there. I actually just want to summarize some of it by saying what I heard around some of the characteristics of a great plan, this idea that it is focused, but it is also flexible, that it is destination oriented, that it is stepped when we think about, you know, what roles might look like or experiences might look like. And I just love the idea that in describing that, it's kind of, it can be a little bit messy and that's kind of okay because kind of life is a little bit uh, messy. But I also love yeah. that wraparound that it is, it's brought to life when it becomes part of something that we share with a network and we're building relationships and th that is helping us bring our plan to life and helping us achieve some of the dynamic possibilities that are part of that. And we have a whole point of view about what it means to be that positive networker that really builds those genuine relationships. And those relationships cause great things to happen. But thinking about those two ideas, a great plan and strong, genuine relationships, let me try and join the dots between those. Do you advise people to share their career plan with people that they have those relationships with? Should I be sharing my plan with my boss or my peers and colleagues? Or should you be kind of more discreet about your intentions and perhaps that gives more flexibility maybe it, it, it allows you to stay open to other things thoughts yeah well first of all always it depends <laughs> <laughs> right it depends on the culture of your company on your personality on the kinds of relationship you have even with just your boss or your colleague or the kind of people you have around you in your what I would call your personal board of directors which is another thing I recommend is to get people to have a mentor in 
in their company and in their industry or both if possible and to have a group of people around that are there to support them in their career aspirations. So yes, share it with them. In terms of sharing it with the people in your company, that's for you to assess. A healthy company, of course, would have the, the employee's development in mind and be excited to support that. A good HR professional in that company would be a great person to talk to about the whole thing then and about possible roles that you, they might not know about. That's all great. So in general, yes. In a healthy setting, yes. And some people like to hold things close to the vest. And if they have that, that's a personality thing. If, but if they have that backup of that board of directors and a mentor, that could be enough. All depends. I love that board of directors concept. I think that sounds remarkably powerful. I call it my kitchen table, but a lot of people call it their board of directors. It depends how you want to think about it. I'm just imagining the listener is taking notes and thinking, oh, okay, that's a great idea. I, I, I need to get myself a board of directors. And oh, by the way, where's my career, career plan? I haven't seen one around for 10 years. <laughs> great suggestions, great examples, great stories, Judy. Let me take another turn in the conversation. Recently, we wrote a blog post about the impact of life events and life circumstances on their ability to accelerate or hamper one's career. How do you help coaches to balance their non-work commitments with the pathways that they want to achieve long-term? Yeah, well, the pandemic has really brought a lot of that forward for people. It was always there and we have seen more people having those conversations lately. It becomes easier to manage uh, when you recognize that you're designing your lives and careers for satisfaction for meaning and that requires looking at the whole and maybe a way to look at it is like to zoom out and to zoom up like as if you were in a drone. I think Angela you call it the long view, right? I heard you both I think speak about that once and if there are pushes and pull moments I, I call it cadence and it's a musical term about that it replies to rhythm and tempo. Having been an ex-dancer, I often use metaphors around the body and about music. And I, I think that's really important to recognize that you're moving, you're sustaining movement forward. That's really important to keep sustaining. But the cadence of that is can change and shift with time because of living situations. And also part of your purpose is bigger than your career and that what you may be doing in other parts of your life, commitments in other parts of your life are also part of your larger life purpose. So that's important to remember too. I also think getting down sort of, sort of practical, it's also important to along that way, maybe you're in a lull where the cadence is a bit slower. Can we put systems in place that are supportive of keeping you moving forward? even if it is at a slower pace or you're constantly feeling yourself making progress, um, what rate makes sense? And then what are the markers there? You know, what's a good time to push? What's a good time not to push? I just had a conversation with a woman yesterday who's going through a divorce and she is has two more years into her till her children are in college. And so she's going to start in a, now thinking about two years from now when she can push. So she's going to do the, the foundational work now so she can start to push when they're out of the house. That kind of thinking is really, she didn't know she was gonna get a divorce when she started her career years ago. She didn't know that. So those are all things that impact people. And so we're talking about the bigger picture and overall well-being and staying steady or moving quickly, depending on that. And, and macro and micro 
systems. That's great. And as you were talking, Judy, I was thinking about this metaphors from music or from ballet we started our conversation with that and i was thinking about it oh my god uh, so many good parallels here. you know uh, how you need to have stable core dancing core is absolutely essential and it allows you to be flexible and controlling what's happening around yeah and i'd also kind of we can bring that back to balance right so balance is dynamic. Balance is not static. If you stand really rigid and stay, say you're going to balance, you will fall right over. And you won't be able to be agile and move quickly from side to side, forward to back, or on a diagonal. So when you are, see balance as something that you keep coming back to, and maybe you go far away, and you, the, the, more, the more refined your sense is, the less far away from your alignment you go, but it's always moving because we're living creatures. It, it feels such a rich discussion, so many great ideas and things just to go out and try straight away. Absolutely. And I love that people can think things like really practical. How do I look at what has been patterns in my life, look for evidence? of things that might give me clues to my sense of purpose or to my alignment. And I can use those to start to create a plan, a plan that's focused, that has a destination in mind, but comes with the ability to flex and recognize that life is dynamic and needs to be adjusted. And that in thinking about that, having permission to accelerate or slow down as I work ultimately with that destination in mind. I think this is an incredibly empowering conversation for people to listen to because it goes to a point I think we made well up front, which is around agency. You know, if I take this into my control, it doesn't have to be perfect. It can even be messy. But if I decide to take control and take agency, that in itself is going to make me feel stronger and more capable. So I could get excited by that. I feel like I must go and dust off my own plan. <laughs> Judy, it's been such a great privilege and, and so much fun uh, having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom and experience with the listeners. Thank you for having me. It has been a lot of fun and I thank you for all of this wonderful conversation. That's it for today. Thanks for listening in. Remember that small changes can lead to big impacts if you find the leverage point. So keep asking yourself, what's my leverage point? To continue the conversation, share this episode on social media like LinkedIn or Facebook with a comment or a question to the wider community and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Until next time.